Thank you very much. Well, good morning, Meadowbrook. How are you? Good. Well, I'll tell you a little bit about myself because I've been in the situation like you're, you're sitting there and you have the, the guest speaker and you're like, who is this guy? First of all, is his name Beercraft or is it Beecraft? I was just say, when people say Beercraft, I'm like, you're just seeing what you want to see. My last name is Beecraft and I'd probably be in a different uh, line of work, I think, if that was my last name. I would just have to be by default. Um, but yeah, so a little bit about me. So for the past six years... Uh, I've had the opportunity of being the Southwestern Regional Manager for Operation Christmas Child, Samaritan's Purse. And uh, prior to that, uh, I actually pastored in Kitchener, Waterloo. That's where I'm from. So my, my daughter and I, Lucy, we drove from Kitchener this morning. We left at 6 a.m. We headed on the way on the, on the beautiful 401. Uh, and you, if you know anything about the 401, I was talking with Greg about this. You know, Kitchener is that dividing line where the 401 is good and the 401 is terrible. And so if I'm going towards Toronto... It's the worst. But when I'm coming this way, it is so nice. So I love this trip. And so, um, and so prior to uh, working with OCC, I actually pastored for 11 years uh, in, uh, in Kitchener-Waterloo. So I love the local church. And so I'm glad to be uh, with you this morning. And this morning is going to be twofold. So first, I'm going to share a little bit about Operation Christmas Child. And then after that, I'm going to share a message with you. Because I want you to leave uh, this Thanksgiving weekend Sunday with your heart uh, full of gratitude uh, for what Jesus has done and what Jesus is doing. Amen? Amen? All right, so first, the OCC bit. Let's dive into it. And, you know, what I love about OCC is that it starts uh, in places just like this. It starts in local churches just like yours. Who you, I walk in, the first thing I see is the, the shoebox set up. There's the red and green. And where it, the shoebox ends, and there's a whole lot of in-between that goes on from it being here in Meadowbrook to ending up in, in, in a local church in a place like Senegal. And, and, and we're going to look at it. I'm going to tell you a story. And, and when I have the opportunity to come to a local church, I like to share stories that you could never find online. So when I say that, there's a little bit of disclaimer when I, when, when I share with you the story that I'm about to share with you, is that I would ask you to not take pictures of the screens or pictures or record any of it because this is a story that I would say is unapproved to share. And by that I mean uh, it takes place in a part of the world that's a little more uh, riskier to share uh, the gospel of Jesus. And so I would uh, ask you all to kind of respect that. We don't want to put anybody in an uncomfortable situation in their receiving country. But my favorite thing about OCC is that it's local church to local church. So first, I got a, a one-minute video that's going to kind of give you a quick snapshot of what OCC is all about and, and what goes on in 60 seconds or less. So that's pretty good. So guys, you can roll that first video. And I'll do descriptive audio for you. Give their lives to Christ. There we go. After receiving shoeboxes, the children are invited back to participate in the Greatest Journey Discipleship Program. The Greatest Journey is the follow-up program to the Shoebox Outreach events, and it's one of the world's largest discipleship programs. Since the Greatest Journey Discipleship Program began 10 years ago, over 1 million teachers have been trained to share the gospel in a child-friendly way. And over 23 million children have had the opportunity to go through the Greatest Journey lessons. More than 11 million children have given their lives to Jesus, and the multiplication continues as beyond 12 million children have committed to pray and share their new faith with their family and friends. 
Okay, so those are some massive numbers that my tiny brain has a really hard time comprehending. 11 million kids have placed their faith in Christ because it started with a shoebox being placed in their hands. And with their, with their shoebox that you pack full of, you know, and, and I, when I'm sharing with you today, I'm not going to talk a lot about what goes into the shoebox because I think you guys have been doing this for 25 years. I think you understand that fairly well. I'm not going to do the step-by-step and put crayons in the box. You guys are like, we know, Mike, move on. And so what I want to share with you is what happens uh, on the evangelism side of the shoebox. So a child receives a box, and on top of the box, there's a a little booklet called The Greatest Gift. And we have that translated in over 77 different languages. So when a child receives it, it's in their language. And at at the outreach event, there's fun, there's games, there's candy. Although don't put candy in a box so that we get it to them other ways. There's a huge celebration, and then they share the gospel with them. You might have seen the big posters that are held up, and they go through uh, creation. They talk about the fall of man. Then they talk about Jesus, the rescuer that rescues us from sin and death, and the gospel is presented. Well, then they, they, they receive a gift. And if you've been on a distribution trip or you've seen the videos, the faces light up, the children rummage through the boxes, and we know that they're deeply impacted by the things that they receive. And for a lot of children, this is the first gift they've ever received in their life, which we have a hard time comprehending in North America because if you talk to my children, be like, what was the first gift you ever received? They've received so many gifts, they would never be able to tell you what it was or when they got it. But then about a week later, a church just like Meadowbrook in a a different part of the world reaches back out to to the children that they invited to the outreach and they say, hey, do you want to join us for The Greatest Journey? It is a 12-week discipleship course. They're basically saying, we're going to host you for, for a 12-week VBS. And for some of you that have done VBS, you're thinking, 12-week VBS? That sounds insane. <laughs> but these churches, what do they want to do? They ask themselves the question, how do we reach the kids in our community? And Operation Christian Child comes alongside them and says, we can support you in that. And Meadowbrook, you guys come alongside and say, we can support you in that. Because a lot of these churches don't have an established children's ministry. They don't have children's ministry curriculum. So OCC can provide, with your help, all that to them. So I want to take you to Dakar, Senegal. And Senegal is a country on the west coast of Africa that Canada sends shoeboxes to. And Senegal is 90% Muslim is the dominant religion in that country. And, of course, there's churches there. And these churches, of course, partner with Operation Christmas Child. And so I'm going to take you to Dakar, Senegal right now. And there's a gentleman there. His name is Laurent. And he actually lives in St. Catharines. So he's a local boy, uh, just like all of us. And so he is responsible for giving leadership to West Coast Africa. And so he is at a graduation ceremony. And there's going to be a couple videos that I show. And and I tell you this, these videos, if you've seen OCC videos on the internet, you know they're polished, they're well-groomed, they look great. These are not those videos. These are recorded on an iPhone. He's at the event. And again, when I come to places, I want to show you what you can't find on YouTube. And so, yeah, if you guys could roll that first video of the run. This is a graduation ceremony for the greatest journey. The discipleship program that the kids here in Dakar, Senegal, uh, have gone through uh, after receiving shoeboxes earlier this year. And uh, after the 12 lessons of the greatest journey, Today is a day of celebration where they get to uh, receive a certificate, a Bible, and uh, just experience a graduation, something none of them have experienced before. 
So let's take a look at how they celebrate this special event today. Alright, so we'll roll right in. You guys can go right into the next video. Yeah. As they graduate from the greatest journey. So they're receiving their Bibles there. And their certificates. So the Bibles are a New Testament. So they're a New Testament Bible that is printed again in their language. Full color Bible, beautiful Bible. I think there's one more video, I think, and then the rest are just photos. The kids are now receiving their certificates in a Bible as they graduate from the greatest journey. The kids are now receiving their certificates in a Bible as they graduate from the greatest journey. That was the last video? All right, so pop up the next picture. The kids are now receiving their certificates. We're just caught in a loop here. We're in Groundhog Day. All right, Laurent, enough. Yeah, so you can see here. Um, so this is uh, in, in Dakar, Senegal. You might notice there's a few, there's a few young ladies with, with head coverings. And those young ladies are um, they're, they're Muslim young women that their, uh, their families have given permission for them to attend, believe it or not, a gospel-centered church, local church, discipleship course. So that is incredible. And we always say this about shoeboxes because some people... Some people are like, well, you know, do you have to send the gift? Can't you just bring the gospel? And we're like, we could, but I always say this, is that the, the shoebox opens doors that would not otherwise be opened if we were just to say, we're going to present the gospel. If we say to them, hey, we're going to present the gospel and we're going to give your child a gift. Oh, 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 a gift. Oh, well, that's great. They've heard about the gift before. They know kids are blessed by the gift. So this is almost a key that kind of opens the door to a lot of situations where we would not otherwise be able to get into. And so uh, I want to tell you a story about uh, one individual. So if you can go to the next uh, photo. Um, they're, they're, they're celebrating here. There's music. Uh, there's excitement. I love the colors. You know, when you, when, you, when you look at the clothing in other parts of the world, you wonder, like, and then I look around at you guys. It's like, man, what are we wearing? You know, this is just so much more exciting. Yeah, we are. Reverse very plain. Yeah, it's good. Uh, next, next picture. So this young woman right here, um, her father uh, is an imam. So if you know what an imam is, an imam is a Muslim pastor. And so this Muslim pastor gave his daughter permission to attend The Greatest Journey. And... The Greatest Journey is 12 weeks long, and on week number five is when we uh, invite the children to place their faith in Christ. And, and, and I always make a point of telling you that because I think we've all been a part of a children's ministry event where maybe there's a call for salvation that takes place, and a bunch of children come into the front, and you realize... As, talking, as you're talking to the individual children, some of them know why they're there and some of them have no idea why they're there. Some of them came because their friend came. Some of them came because there's a candy bowl. And so we want to make sure that when children are placing their faith in Christ, that they know and understand what it is that they're doing. Now, I don't say that to belittle that experience of a child coming in a VBS and placing their faith in Christ because that could be wholehearted, genuine, and that could put them on the path that the Holy Spirit has planted in their life. Jesus rescues and redeems them, transforms them from the kingdom of light or from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and they will never be the same. So I don't belittle that. But we do week five, we, we say, hey, now that you understand who this Jesus is, would you like to place your faith in him? And this young woman did exactly that. She placed her faith in Jesus, and she graduated, finished the 12 weeks and here she is receiving her certificate, 
and her Bible, her New Testament Bible. And then you can see all the faces here. Laurent giving a thumbs up. And this is just in a basement of a church, just like yours. Next photo. And here's a graduation. This is in El Salvador. And this is what I love. OCC shows up in a lot of different contexts. Sometimes those contexts mean there's a church that has four walls. Sometimes those contexts mean there is no church that has any walls. And there might just be a steel roof with some pillars where the children gather and where they learn who Jesus is. So this is in El Salvador. I love the, you can see the faces, you can see their certificates. This next photo that you can switch to, this is in more of a church with four walls. You can see it's a little bit more formal. But again, OCC shows up in so many different contexts. And what I love, I love the diversity of ages in this photo too. You have the, you know, you have the 10 to 14 year olds in the back. You get the little ones up front. But they're all graduating the greatest journey. So I always want to emphasize the greatest journey when I'm talking about Operation Christmas Child. Because again, you understand what goes in here. And we know the impact of, of the simple items. You know, you've probably heard the story of the bar of soap that just transformed this little boy's life because he lived in an orphanage and there was like 30 kids that had to share one bar of soap. Like I have my own shower downstairs. I don't like sharing soap with anybody. But this, and this little boy was just completely marked by a bar of Irish Spring. Anybody use Irish Spring? And a couple of you. Yeah. The men are like, yeah, that's the manly soap. Um, or we hear about a little girl that she opens up her box. And what you think she would get excited about, the stuffies, the dolls, the beautiful, glittery, sparkly things, not really her cup of tea necessarily. But what she takes and tucks away in her pocket, and later on the person that was with her go, what was that you tucked aside? And she goes, oh. The, her favorite thing that she got in her shoebox was a 99-cent pack of pencils. Why? Well, in the school that she goes to, there's 30 kids in the, in the school, and they all share one pencil. And as the teacher is teaching, the pencil makes its way from the front and goes to all the kids and ends up in the back. And she sits at the back. So she's got to have the memory of a steel trap to make sure she's getting... And now she thought, with all these pencils, think of the notes that I could take. Think of the pencils that I could share. Again, like, I don't think about a 99-cent pack of pencils and think, this is going to blow somebody's mind. No. But we know that the simple items have an impact. But how much more when it's not just about a simple item, but it's about the gospel of Jesus that truly transforms a child's not only life in the here and now, but also into eternity. See, that's why I get on board with OCC, because when I came from pastoring into OCC and I found out this is about the gospel, I'm like, sign me up. I can get behind that. Because what got me most excited was seeing people respond to who Jesus is and what Jesus has done on their behalf. That's, that, that's my heartbeat. And when I see these little faces, I know all of these children, they're, 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 there's a journey ahead of them. There's a life ahead of them. And we know that when the children come, the parents come. So jump to the next photo, which I think is the map. Hey, I'm pretty good. So in Sierra Leone, you look right there on the edge of West Coast Africa. In Sierra Leone, last year, because what happens is, imagine... A bunch of children from the community come to Meadowbrook and you host an event and a bunch of these children place their faith in Christ and a bunch of these children attend a 12-week VBS that you host, you know, once a week at your church for three months. And, and these children and their families become a part of your church. Well, your church sees explosive growth. So that means other churches need to be planted. So in Sierra Leone alone, and Canada is... Canada sends to Sierra Leone, and, and, and we are the sole senders to Sierra Leone. So this is why I highlight this story. Last year, 100 churches were planted. 100. 
Like, imagine, yeah. A hundred churches. A hundred churches were planted in, the, in, in that small country. Like, imagine if a hundred churches were planted in, in Ontario. Like, the impact that would have. That's a hundred, that's a hundred staff that are the pastors and leaders and people. That's a hundred churches that are, that are growing and blossoming because it's, you don't have the room. You don't have the capacity. Like, it's fantastic. So this gets me excited. So I show you this. This is where shoeboxes are, are, are going to be going this year from, from Canada. Uh, we're sending, I think it's about it's nine countries. So usually we are Central America, Nicaragua, El Salvador, Costa Rica, and then West Coast Africa. Well, last year and this year again, we had the opportunity to send to the Ukraine, which we know is, is in desperate times. And so gift boxes of hope are amazing. And we have the opportunity to send to the Philippines which is really great because if you, there is a large uh, Filipino presence in Canada and they love to pack boxes for the Philippines. And so it's great. We have an opportunity to send there. And so, yeah, I want to take you into a little bit of a, uh, give you a little bit of a picture because we are very familiar with what OCC looks like right here. Or maybe you've been to the processing center in the past and you see all the boxes coming through and you're going through them. And it's this great experience. But what we don't get to see and what I don't get to see very often is what happens on that other side. What happens when a child receives it? And I want to encourage you. It's not, it's not just about a gift. It's about the gospel. And so this year, everywhere I go, every person I've been speaking to, every, every event that I'm talking at, every church I'm visiting, I'm, I'm, in, in, I'm, challenging, I'm challenging you in this one thing. And that's just pack one more box than you normally would. Maybe as a family, you pack three boxes because you have three kids. or There's three of you in the family. You pack four. I would just say, hey, pack that one more box. Maybe as an individual, you just faithfully pack one amazing box every year. I would just ask you to pack two. And I know that within southwestern Ontario and the, the area that I'm responsible for, I, I like to do numbers and, and math sometimes, only sometimes. Um, not when it's my daughter's math from school because that's just way too advanced for me. Um, but I like to crunch the numbers and, hey, how many people are represented in this area? And it's over 4 million people are represented in the area. So I have... I get to go all the way to Windsor, get to go all the way to Niagara Falls, all the way up to the beautiful Tobamori and the Gray Bruce area, in, in, into Dufferin and Simcoe counties up near the Muskoka. I get to take care of all that, and it's amazing. I get to visit churches just like yours. And so I, everywhere I go, I'm encouraging you to pack one more box because that means one more child is going to be impacted. And the number one request, can you imagine, from the churches and the, and, and the leaders that are in these countries is, we would love more boxes. <laughs> it's like, of course. Because there's always, I always say, there's always never enough. There's always more kids than there is boxes. And so I would just encourage you. And, and to pack, and I would encourage you to pray as you pack. Because we know, you know, stories like in the very beginning, where Samaritan's Operation Christmas Child is, is, is 30 years old this year. Anybody 30 years old in here right now? You're 30 on the nose? Awesome. I'm turning 40 next week, and I'm like, whoo! It's scary time, so enjoy enjoy them 30s. And all of you that are already far beyond 40, you're like, oh, you're just a baby. You know, I get it. But I don't feel like a baby, even though I'm bald like one. But, um, you know, I encourage you to pray. Pray for these boxes. And, you know, the, one of the first boxes that went out, and I encourage you to go on YouTube and, and just search Meet Sean Campbell, Sean, S-E-A-N, Meet Sean Campbell. There's four stories there. And they were made last year. And one of the stories he tells is they were doing this big event in, in like a government area. So there's a lot of rigmarole. It was a long thing because it, there's a lot of requirements, a lot of boxes that need to be checked in that particular venue. 
And, and, and they, there's this massive box that was kind of sitting off, and they saved that one till the end. They're like, okay, we'll, we'll give this to the last kid. And, and, the, and the, the, the last child to receive a box was actually two twin boys. And Sean thought to himself, oh, wow, that's amazing. We have a, we have a big box for these two twin boys. That's awesome. They'll, they'll get to share what's ever inside. So the two twin boys sit down, and they open up the box. And lo and behold, and again, only God can orchestrate this, somebody packed a box for twins. And inside was a duplicate. There was two of everything inside that box. I'm like, you can't, like, you can't, none of us could ever plan and orchestrate that. Shipping a random box that starts maybe in Leamington and ends up in Senegal. We couldn't plan on that happening. But it does because that's, God is in the business of, of making us aware of his love for us. That's what he's about. He wants to, he wants to, guys, I'm real. Guys, I'm true. Guys, I love you. And I sent my son Jesus for you. So we're going to dive into his word because, like I said, I want to encourage you this morning and I want you to leave, I want you to leave grateful. I want you to leave grateful. So if I was going to give a, a title to this morning's message that I'm going to share, uh, the title is The Greatest Thing. So if I'm going to share anything with you, I want it to be the greatest thing that I could possibly share. Because I may never be back here again. So I got one shot. So what I'm going to share with you is the greatest thing. And so in, we're going to dive into Mark chapter 12 and verse 28. But before that, let me just pray real quick. God, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful that your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. It, it, it pierces between the spirit and the soul. And we're just grateful that your word expresses your love for us, your care for us, the fact that you rescued us and you redeemed us, that you call us your very own, you are holding us in the palm of your hand and that you will never let us go. Just remind us of those powerful truths this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Mark 12, Mark 12, 38, and I love this. Jesus is in a situation where Jesus is in the hot seat. It's 20 questions for Jesus. He's sitting down and there's religious people, one after another, are coming up to him and they're just questioning him. They're questioning him on, on various things. They're talking to him about paying taxes. And of course, someone's like, ooh, they got their ears open for that. Do we really have to pay taxes? And of course, we know Jesus' answer to that, unfortunately, was yes. And they, they ask him again, Jesus, what about the resurrection? What's that look like? Jesus gives an answer to that. They ask him about um, his authority and, and, they, and they ask him about different things. And then we find one particular scribe in Mark chapter 12, in verse 28, it says, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, Jesus, he asked him this, Which commandment is the most important of all? That's what he asked Jesus. I mean, that's a great question. He's thinking to himself, you know what, in life and in life, we can do a lot of things and essentially, he comes up to Jesus and says, what's the most important thing that I should do? What's the mo most important thing I should be doing? And of course, Jesus answered. He says, the most important is, and you can just hear the silence of the room. Everybody kind of leans forward. Because there's a lot of commandments. You know, we think to ourselves, yeah, there's 10. We know that for sure. Maybe we've seen the movie. You know, but we know that there's 10. Maybe we can rhyme all 10 off. But there was many more commandments that kind of followed those. But those were the 10 biggies. So they're leaning in. And Jesus' answer is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And it just goes. And they're thinking, okay, and? That's not something to do 
That's something to believe. So I find that interesting, that Jesus begins his answer with not necessarily an action step that we can take, but he starts with something that is to be believed. And then, of course, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you, and you shall love, love, love the Lord your God. And we know, we know this, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, I don't know about you, but I know about me. And if there is not a commandment that seems more crushing and impossible than that, I don't know what is. And maybe, perhaps you've got just Christianity down to a science and you're like, yep, Mike, I consistently, diligently, faithfully love the Lord my God every single day with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. So Jesus lays out a big Big commandment. And then, it's interestingly enough, they didn't ask him for a second, but he says, the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There are no other commandments greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right. Oh, Jesus is probably wiping the sweat off his brow for that one. Oh, I'm so glad that you confirmed my rightness as he is indeed the son of God. I just, you are right, teacher, you have truly said. He is one, and there is no other besides him, and that to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than, the, than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, and I love that his answer wisely was just literally to repeat back to Jesus what it is he just said. I just find that kind of interesting. <laughs> he just parrots back the answer that Jesus gave, and Jesus is like, you have answered wisely. Because you've used my words. So if you ever want to be wise, I encourage you, don't use your own words, use the words of Jesus. And he says, and when he saw he answered wisely, he said, and this is interesting, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far. You're not there. You haven't arrived yet because we know Jesus hasn't died yet. Jesus hasn't risen yet. So that was kind of an impossibility to be there because how do we get there? And we're going to find out in a second the way to get there is Jesus. He says, you're not far. You're close. You're not far from the kingdom of God. It says, and after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. It was like the Jesus mic drop. I won't, for the sake of sound equipment this morning, drop this microphone on the ground. But I find it interesting that Immediately, you know, and and this is what I'm encouraging the gospel. The gospel is not something to do. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is something to believe has already been done. And that thought changed my whole life as a young believer. Because I came into a situation where I thought the gospel was a a list of checkboxes that I had to do to kind of get myself in with this thing called the church family and this thing called a relationship with God. I thought it was something that I had to earn. And not only did I think I had to earn it, but I had to earn it through my, my, my works and my faithfulness, and then I had to maintain that standing through my works and my faithfulness. You can imagine the exhaustion that you would feel if that's how you believed. See, Christianity differs from every religion in the world in, in, in this fact. It's not about doing something to get right with God but it's about believing in the one who is right with God. That's it. Believe in Jesus. 
Believe in Jesus. Because what is our state? You know, if, if we are going to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, and all, all, all is a lot, 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 I submit to you that it's an impossible, it's, it's an impossible task on your own. You can't do it. I can't do it. It is like trying to power this keyboard after I rip all the cables out of it, which I also won't do, um, and, and trying to say, okay, play us, play us a beautiful song. Well, all you would hear is clack, 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 and it wouldn't sound too great because it's not connected to its power source. And if we are not connected to God, we cannot keep these commandments. Because I find that interesting. If you look back at when the commandments kind of were, were first unpacked in Exodus 20, remember Moses comes down, he's got the tablets, and he, and he reads out the Ten Commandments, and, and, and in, and in, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, it talks about how they hear the, 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 they hear the booming voice of God through the pillar of fire. Like, imagine being here this morning. You're like, Mike, you're okay, but imagine a pillar of fire and the audible voice of God, and you're hearing that. Now that, I have never in my life heard the audible voice of God. And I won't ask for hands because I don't want to feel ashamed of myself, if you have or not. But they hear the audible voice of God. Imagine the confirmation that these, wow, like if anybody in the room doubted that God was real, or anybody, I guess in the field, they weren't really in a room, were they? They would not doubt that God was real. There wasn't a fancy sound system back in the day where they could be like, is there speakers? Is there a man behind the curtain? Moses, you just have some sort of amplification voice altering device. No, they knew this is the voice of God. But yet, it doesn't take too long. And what are they doing? The same people. There was a pillar of fire. And it wasn't just a nice pyrotechnic show. There was a pillar of fire. The booming voice of God are to a golden calf that they made out of their own jewelry. The very same people. And I think to myself, like, wow, how could you be so, so insert whatever you like there? <laughs> That's up to your brain to decide. How could you be so like that? You just heard the audible voice of God, and it's, it's, not, it's not 12 chapters later that Moses is gone for a little too long. And they're going, we need something. They're itching for an idol. Hey, 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 anybody got any jewelry? Yeah, those are some nice earrings. Pop those things off. We're going to smelt them down, and we're going to make uh, not a full-size cow, a baby cow. It's going to be a calf because we don't want to worship those full-size cows. That's just, that's idolatry, but a, a, ba- a calf, that would be all right. Like, I'm blown away. I'm going, are you kidding me? But then at the same time, I'm also reminded of the, the fact that my own heart can be pulled and can be swayed. That in my own ability, I cannot faithfully obey God. And what is our state without God? Well, we're reminded of our state in Genesis chapter 2. Remember, God formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed his own breath of life into man. He didn't do that to the animals, but he did that, he did that to man, he, his breath. And we were the only part of the creation that he said, let us Make man in our image, according to our likeness. And he creates, he creates man out of the dust of the ground. And then it says he, he picks him up and he places him in the garden. Well, we know what happens in Genesis 3. Fall. Hey, guys, eat all this fruit. Don't eat that one tree. Hey, all this fruit. Don't eat that one tree. The one tree. Okay. I would have done it too. I'll have words with Adam. 
in eternity, but I would have been like, yeah, man, me too. I, w- I would have. If my wife would have handed me a piece of fruit, I would have ate it too. Whatever she gives me, I eat. It's just how it is. But then it says, therefore, God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. Who you ever dig a hole? It's terrible. Work the ground from which you were taken. And in verse 24 of Genesis 3, he says, he drove, he drove the man out. God drove man. Imagine the heartbreak. Anybody in here have kids? Imagine the heartbreak that the day would have to come that you'd have to drive your child out of your home. Oh, we often think, oh God, you're so mean, says the person who's never had a kid because they would go, wow, that would break my heart to have to do that. But it says he, he drove out the man. He put him, he, he blocked the garden with a, he, he said he blocked the garden with a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Lest man would take his hand out and eat from it again. See, the, the, the way to God was blocked and the life of God to man was blocked. That's our state. That's our state without Jesus. That's our state without God. What we find in John 13, and in John 13, in verse uh, 36, Jesus is uh, beginning to unpack what the fulfillment of his ministry is going to look like. And we know Peter specifically had an issue with Jesus fulfilling uh, his purpose. And do you remember when Jesus said, hey, this is what's going to happen to me. I'm going to be served up. I'm going to die. And what does Peter say? Peter says, no, 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 Jesus. No way you're going to do that. And what does Jesus say? One of the most memorable things, and I'm sure if Peter remembered anything, out of all the quotes that Jesus said to him, he probably remembered this one, and it was what? It was, get behind me, Satan. Whew. I've been called some things in my life for sure, but Satan, maybe not one of them. So Jesus... If we back up a little bit, let's back up to 33. He says, little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You You are also to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And Simon Peter said, Lord... Where are you going? It's a great question. Jesus says, guys, I'm going away. You can't come. You know, it's like parents, you're going away. We're going out somewhere. You can't come. Well, why not? The kids right away. The kids want to know, why, where are you going? You're going to eat good food. You're probably going to have sugar. Where, what are you doing? Where, where are you going? And Jesus says, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? Peter reminds me a lot of myself. That's why I love that he's in here. And then he says this, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. He's saying, Jesus, there's nothing too big that you're facing for me that I can't face with you. And Jesus says, I beg to differ. This is a little too big for you, Peter. You know, the the same guy that is going to just express this amount of boldness is also going to express another amount of boldness when Jesus is arrested and Peter pulls out the sword and cuts the ear off of the guy. He's ready to go. And Jesus doesn't lead the battle charge and it doesn't turn out in the way that maybe Peter wanted it to. Instead, he says, put that sword away. 
But he says, I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Question mark. He said, truly I say to you, the, ro- the rooster will not crow till you have denied me, denied me three times. And then he says this to all the disciples, let your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled. And here it is. What, what does he do? They're asking. They're clamoring for something to do. Jesus, you're going away. How do we come with you? What do we do? How do we do it? If I got to die for you, I will. If I got to cut off someone's ear for you, I will. Jesus, you tell me what to do and I'll be right there. But Jesus doesn't give them something to do. He gives them something to believe. And in John 14, believe in God, believe in me also. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And right away, I think of the, the old song. It's a big, big house with lots and lots of room. Anybody know that one? Okay, a couple of you. Every time I think of that song, I just think of roller skating. They just got to go together. But I don't know. That's where I grew up. And it's, so he says this. I got, my father's a big house. It's a big, big house with lots and lots of room where we can play football. No, that's the song. Back to the verse. It said, if it were not so, I wouldn't have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, will I come again? And I will, I will come again and I will take you to myself. <sighs> wow. Because he says this, that where I am, you will also be. And Thomas, good old Thomas. Thomas is like, he's coming a little unhinged. Lord, we do not know where you're going. It's like, it's, maybe if I say it slower, Jesus will understand. Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Remember, this is before the GPS. That's how I got here this morning. If not, it would have been the 401 until I missed it. How can we follow you? We don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. And Jesus is like, oh, man, I picked these 12? No, he doesn't say that. That's me. That's what I would have said. This is why I'm not Jesus. A lot of other reasons, but that's just one of the many thousand. And Jesus said to him, and this is it. This is, this is the big refrigerator verse. This is the one you might have etched in somewhere, posted up on your house. Maybe it's in a picture somewhere, and Jesus says this, I am the way. Guys, how do we know the way, Jesus? We, we got to go there. Give, give us the coordinates. Give, give, give us a step-by-step. Pull up Google Maps, God. Where are you going, Jesus? No, God, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you have known me, you have known the Father also. For now on, um, for now on you, do you do know him and you have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, I love these questions. Philip said, Lord, show us the father. Just wants to see him. Just show us God. He said, and he said if you show us the father, that'll be enough. Oh, just a little bit. Just asking you a little, just a little. Show us the father. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And then he goes on to talk about these words I say to you. I'm not talking about on my own authority. But I love this. The disciples are clamoring for something to do. Just like the, just like the scribe that was questioning Jesus. What's the greatest thing I can do? And Jesus again solidifies not actions to do, but truths to believe. Guys, let your hearts not be troubled. Firstly, believe in God. 
Believe in God and, and believe not only in God, in some distant God that is just out there in the cosmos somewhere spinning around his magic powers. No, not in a God that's so removed and impersonal, but he says, first of all, he says, believe in God. And then he said, then he makes it real personal and believe that God has prepared a place for you. Like, if that doesn't get you excited in here this morning, that not only has God rescued you, but he's actually making a place for you. He's prepared a place for you. And not only, if that wasn't enough, not only has he prepared a place for you, but he's going to bring you to himself. You don't got to find the way there because we know where the way is. The disciples didn't, but the way is what? It's Jesus and that's why he solidifies this, this fourth belief. So first, it's believe in God. Believe he's prepared a place for you. Believe he will bring you to himself. Believe, and this is the fourth one, believe that Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in him. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. It's amazing. Again, the gospel is not something to do, but it's something to believe. Because Jesus did. Jesus did all the obeying that we could never do. A very common language in the Old Testament when you're going through, if you spend any time in Deuteronomy and Exodus, it, it, it will say, be careful to obey all my commandments. Be diligent to obey all my commandments. Be faithful to obey all my commandments. So you've got to be careful and diligent and faithful and consistently obey. Consistently obey. I can't do it. Neither can you. But Jesus did. Jesus obeyed perfectly on our behalf. So therefore, when, when, when we are inviting someone in to this thing called Christianity, we're not inviting somebody in. It's not an invitation to obey a set of rules. Don't get me wrong. Christian discipline is important. But that's not what the gospel is about. The gospel is the good news of Jesus. Walking that life out as a disciple, there's some work to be done. But Christianity is not an, an invitation to obey a set of rules, but an invitation to believe in what Jesus has done. Because again, Jesus obeyed all the rules because we never could. That's what I mean, Jesus says, well, you, you, you responded well. You're, you're not far from the kingdom. But you could never, you could never keep these perfectly. We know the story about the one guy who claimed to keep him perfectly, and all we know him as is the rich young ruler. And his, his encounter with Jesus ended with him walking away very sorrowful because he had many possessions. Because Jesus rhymed off, well, have you done these things? Have you done these commandments? And he says, I've kept every single one from my youth. Woo, glory, the audacity. And Jesus says, okay, well, there's one thing that you lack. Sell all your stuff. If you think that you've got this thing nailed down based on your obedience, then sell all your stuff. Give it to the poor and come. And this is the best part of this whole invitation. And Jesus says, and come, follow me. This guy could have been the 13th disciple, but no. He leaves very sorrowful because he had many possessions. And if that isn't enough to fill your heart with gratitude this morning, based on the fact that Jesus is prepared a place for you, he's going to bring you to himself, and just to ensure that is not a uh, Jesus cleans us up and dusts us off and says, okay, Mike, now you got a second chance. I'm giving you a second chance. Don't mess it up. 
The faithfulness, it's back on you. Obey faithfully, carefully, consistently, perfectly. You do that, I'm, I'm going to heaven. No. Because then what state would I be in? What state would you be in? Would we be right back in the same situation where God would be driving us out of the garden because we, couldn't, we cannot maintain this thing called salvation. And so it gets even better. In John 14, in John 14, if we keep reading, in verse 15, it says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Notice that loving Jesus, having a relationship with him, is, 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 the, is the precursor to keeping the commandments. And then he says this, if him preparing a place and bringing you to himself is not enough, he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. He says, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. He's like, guys, this isn't just a, this isn't just a sprinkling over the earth for everybody. No, this is, a, this is for you I will give you, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it either sees him nor knows him. But you know him. You know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit is the one that is with us, dwells with us and in us forever. It's the Holy Spirit is the one that preserves us in him. It's not you. You are not capable of preserving. Maybe you can make a mean salsa, or maybe you can whip up some the best canned peaches I've ever tasted, and you think you got the preserve thing down pretty good. I'm telling you, you cannot preserve yourself in this way. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. That's why we have the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the one that is going to be with us and in us forever. See, even in the garden, was God constantly with Adam and Eve? Was he always with them, just walking with them side by side and going, hey, 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 oh, oh, don't, don't touch that tree. No, no, over here, over here. No, what would God do? He said he would walk with them. He'd visit them, and he'd walk with them in, in, in the cool of the day. And I, I would, I would, I would have been, that would have just been amazing. Imagine walking through the beauty of the garden beside God, just having a conversation. And then, he would, then God would go. And then God would come back and he'd visit them again and he'd walk with them again. That's, that's not even what we have as believers. We have not a spirit that is going to walk beside us in momentary situations. We have a spirit that is going to dwell with us forever. It's not, it's not an up and down visitation. It's not an, oh, I'll be back. Just, give me a second. No. The spirit is with you and in you forever. Jesus, remember what Jesus says to them. Guys, I know you love having me around, but it's better that I go. And they're thinking, how? How? Like we've seen you walk on water. We've seen you raise the dead. We've seen you feed, you know, 5,000 with a couple pieces of bread and some fish. You're telling us it's going to be better? We've seen you speak a word and, and wind and waves just stop. And you're saying that could be better? What could be better than that? The Holy Spirit. Living with us and in us forever, that is what's better. And that's, that's the reality that we live in as believers today. Let's pray. God, I thank you. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the fact, Jesus, that you are preparing a place for us. It's done. It's prepared. You've done it. And you are bringing us. You have brought us to yourself. 
And Jesus, your Holy Spirit, you've given to us so that the Holy Spirit could be with us and in us forever. The one who guides us into all truth. The one who reminds us, Jesus, of what you've said and what you've done. And the one who comforts us when we need it. God, we have your spirit. And it's because of what you've done, Jesus. It's because of your great work. It's because of your great faithfulness. It's because of your great obedience. And Jesus, you've given us your perfect record. And you said, not only will I show you the way, I am the way, and I will bring you to myself. So I pray for everybody in this room that's experienced that, who has the Holy Spirit on the inside, who's, who, who's placed their faith in you, Jesus. Would you, just, would you just encourage them in their right standing with you this morning that is permanent and that is forever? And I thank you, God. And I pray for those who have not yet placed their faith in you. Jesus, that your Holy Spirit will be doing such a work on their heart. Jesus, your word says you will be lifted up and you will draw all people to yourself. And I pray that you draw them this morning to you. You draw them to your love. You draw them to your presence. You draw them to your faithfulness and your work on their behalf. And that they would receive your truth. That they would believe that you are who you said you are. That they would believe that you and the Father are one. And that they would receive the Holy Spirit. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.